Hi, it's Matt. Just before we start the show, I want to tell you about a great live event I've got coming up on the 27th of March. To celebrate 600 episodes of Recruiting Future, I'm going to be hosting a live Ask Me Anything webinar. This is your chance to pick my brain on anything you like, including market trends and predictions, the impact of AI on recruiting, skills-based hiring, the changing role of recruiters, podcasting tips, or even my favourite Scottish tourist destinations and whiskies. Literally, ask me anything. I'll also be joined by some surprise special guests who'll be adding their perspectives to the conversation. You can sign up now by going to mattalder.me slash AMA. That's mattalder.me slash AMA. And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time. mattalder.me slash AMA. Support for this podcast is provided by Paradox, the conversational AI company helping global talent acquisition teams at Unilever, McDonald's and CVS Health get recruiting work done faster. Let's face it, talent acquisition is full of boring administrative tasks that drag the hiring process down and create frustrating experiences for everyone. Paradox's AI assistant, Olivia, is shaking up that paradigm, automating things like applicant screening, interview scheduling and candidate Q&A so recruiters can spend more time with people, not software. Curious how Olivia can work for your team? Then visit paradox.ai to learn more. There's been more of scientific discovery more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 515 of the Recruiting Future podcast. The public launch of ChatGPT continues to drive enormous levels of hype about the impact of AI on life, the universe and everything. So what are the implications of generative AI on talent acquisition? How will it shape the development of recruiting technology? And what will candidates think of the changing balance between humans and machines in recruiting? My guest this week is the perfect person to give us some answers. Adam Godson is Chief Product Officer at Paradox, and his unique combination of experience in the industry means he has a deep understanding of the potential of AI and the likely future direction of talent acquisition. Hi, Adam, and welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Matt. Great to be with you. An absolute pleasure to have you back on the show. Please, could you introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Hey, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Great to be back. Thanks for the re-invite. I'm Adam Godson. I'm I'm Chief Product Officer at Paradox. And so my goal is to think about conversational AI in recruiting and then to make those things happen. Now, I want to talk to you about all things AI because it seems to be absolutely dominating the, the recruiting news cycle at the moment. It's very difficult to get away from it. Before we do, though, by way of context, obviously, Paradox has lots of clients, deals with lots of companies um, and helps them with the recruitment issues, all those kind of things. 
What's going on in the market from your perspective at the moment? On the one hand, we're hearing about economic downturn, recruiters losing their jobs, companies not recruiting. On the other hand, we're hearing about talent shortages and companies not being able to get enough talent into their business. What's it like from your perspective? I think it's it's some of each. <laughs> it depends. And I think that's the part that's confusing. We're, we're not in a cycle that is clearly down or clearly up. Uh, it is up in some s- sectors or regions or industries and down in other sectors, regions or industries. And I think that's making for a confusing overall narrative. And so it's in many ways sort of an array of different directions uh, that are, that's happening in the market. But if you look at the, the macroeconomic picture, um, you see some, some employment unemployment that is still near record highs in the U.S. and I'm sorry, your record lows in the U.S. and in in Europe. Uh, And yet, you know, companies are certainly starting to pull back and think differently and being more cautious. Uh, And so I think there's still a lot of anticipation about which way, uh, which direction things will head. And uh, that's creating some confusion in in the markets. And I think sometimes some narratives that aren't matching reality as well. Now, the last time you were on the podcast, we were talking about conversational AI and personalization. Um, And it was probably about this time last year, I think. Now, since then, in the last few months, generative AI has has hit the headlines um, big time, and it seems to be the only thing that people want to want to talk about at the moment. I wanted to ask you this question because I thought you were the perfect person to to answer it for everyone listening. Can you tell us the difference between generative AI and conversational AI? Yeah, certainly, uh, it's captured the moment. Uh, generative AI has, um, and, and so uh, conversational AI is is going to be. Uh, a, a, an automated conversation. So the method of interacting that feels like a conversational interface via voice or chat or video uh, that is two-way between um, a, one or more people or machines, where generative AI essentially is talking about content that's being generated for that particular purpose. And it can be conversational. That's certainly what you see with ChatGPT, for example, and, and other uh, large language models that are really good at at that. That is, that is generative in that it's being generated, so quite literally. But generative also has a part that's not conversational. So the generation of an image, for example, uh, through Stable Diffusion or Dolly or another service like that. So if you draw your Venn diagram, uh, <laughs> the, the generative can be conversational. Uh, and certainly conversational AI can be generative or non-generative as well. Companies have been working on these large language models for, for quite some time. But Everything just seems to have launched um, all at the same time and really caught the imagination of of everyone. And I think we're already just starting to see some changes happening pretty pretty quickly. What changes do you think that generative AI will drive in the recruitment industry? And I suppose particularly in recruiting technology products. Yeah, it's interesting, and you you rightly point out that that um, the, the the generative and conversational parts mattered a lot, where GPT-3, for example, was out for nearly two years, uh, and we'd certainly used it in different ways, um, just as a language model and experimentation, um, uh, before it really caught the public's um, uh, imagination. And what caught the imagination was the creation of ChatGPT into a conversational interface. So taking this language model that's based on GPT-3, that you really could have asked it most of the same questions before, and it did lots of the lots of similar things. But making it just a box on a page <laughs> that could then carry on something that was very conversational 
made it go to a, a million users in five days. Uh, and so for us, it's sort of that story around conversational as a really important interface in a way that, that people want to communicate and, and like to communicate um, in a different way. Uh, and then, of course, the, the next stage was was everyone getting lots of pressure of, oh my gosh, we've been working on this project for a couple of years, get it to market <laughs> so we don't seem like we're behind. So you saw Facebook and Google, and it, what, I think what seems like a, an absolute barrage of things that were developed in two weeks were more about uh, you know the release cycles coming up really quickly and people feeling like they had to get something, even an imperfect something, out, out the door. Um, so, so that's, you know, it seems like it's all happened at once, but lots of, lots of research has gone into these. Um, and from a recruiting standpoint, there are lots of things, uh, that, that are, uh, that are going to change. And, and you, you rightly mentioned that it, you know, in technology, um, uh, many folks will change the way that those, that those interact. And, and, and for me, as I boil down recruitment, it's always really been about three things. And I've stared at the ceiling many nights thinking about <laughs> what it is that we actually do. And, 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 uh, and it's really about uh, decisions. So decisions about a resume or after an interview, it's about conversations. And then it's about automating lots of stuff. Uh, we call those the BS of recruitment, the boring stuff, but uh, scheduling interviews, sending offer letters, all those things. And, um, the, the latter two really change with this technology. So our ability, ability to, to automate things, but it's really that second one to be able to have uh, interactive conversations in, in lots of ways that weren't really possible before. Um, and so being able to have a, a, an automated chat and being able to, uh, that, that's really high quality conversation, being able to get information from a hiring manager, get information about a labor market, all in a chat interface with uh, a manager or a recruiter, that's what is going to be substantially different going forward. Paradox have recently announced that you've launched a conversational ATS based on the, the conversational AI that you use. What is a conversational ATS? How does it work and what kind of difference is it making? Yeah, I think the, the, the difference in, in the way we have gone to market in the past and releasing a conversational ATS was really stating uh, what we are uh, in, in that way. We, it's a product that's been in market for some, some time where um, we, for years, sort of sat on top of existing ATS and uh, folks said, oh, can you make my ATS conversational? And then slowly, as people asked for, uh, in, for certain markets, we built some of the underlying technology. And so to be clear, we still can do both. So happy to sit on top of Workday or SAP or other systems uh, that to help make them conversational, but also can now stand alone uh, and, and be able to do offer letters and some of the uh, and automations and the statuses and workflows and the things that you might find more traditionally in, in an ATS. Uh, uh, so being able to do the whole job. Uh, is the, the primary difference, but doing it conversationally and, and being able to manage those conversations with, uh, with candidates uh, and being able to um, uh, gather information conversationally and remove the friction that so many ATSs have in, uh, throughout the process and do that through automated conversations, which leads to uh, faster time to hire uh, and higher candidate satisfaction. Are they the kind of results that you're seeing with the clients that you're working with? Is there anything, anything surprising that's coming out? You know, I think, I think that, the um, amount of 
time reduction we can make through conversational AI and mediums uh, like SMS and WhatsApp, for example, continues to surprise me. Um, you know, we, we of course have done work with lots of restaurants and retailers like McDonald's and, and others for, for, for years and made substantial gains uh, in those processes. But just last week saw that the, the, um, uh, numbers from a client that went live about two months ago and uh, time to hire went from 31 days to nine and, <laughs> and and just all the metrics with with massive improvement. And so even after three and a half years of, of doing this, um, seeing those types of huge gains uh, continues to, to surprise me um, uh, in a positive way. The last time we spoke, we were talking about personalization and how conversational AI can drive personalization in the in the recruiting process. How have things developed since then? Are we seeing more personalization? Are there more things possible? What do you think could be personalized in the future? Yeah, I, that's where I think large language models and generative AI are, are changing the game as we speak for that. Um, so, so being able to um, uh, look at someone's LinkedIn profile or their CV, looking at a specific job and, and being able to, to create um, synergy to say, why are you a good fit for this job, given the, the experience you have, the job requirements, the, the culture of the company, and being able to automate some of those conversations is, is really exciting uh, to be able to really personalize in that, in that way. I think the other thing that that we're seeing is um, some some need for for personalization and some more content in the in, in, in hiring processes as more companies use quick apply frameworks. Uh, so certainly, this has caught um, lots of the U.S. this year uh, with Indeed's change to um, uh, pushing hard on Indeed Apply and others, uh, ZipRecruiter and, and, and etc. To um, essentially have the candidate apply without ever visiting the career site. Uh, so simply sending all the candidate details through the um, through the through an API, and so what that has led to is lots of candidates that have applied to a, a job but have never visited the career site of the company. Uh, and so then, how do you do the employer branding activities in, uh, that you might have done uh, on a career site, but do that throughout the process in a more linear fashion? Uh, so sending people things before the interview or after they apply or write messages at the right time. And then being able to personalize those uh, as as uh, candidates go through the funnel, I think there's tremendous opportunity to take what was a transactional experience on a career site and make that experiential throughout the life cycle of the recruitment process. So, do you think that's people applying for the job, then then finding out more about what it entails? So, uh, what is it? Sending people video, having conversations, letting people talk to hiring managers. How do you think that will evolve? I, I do think it's uh, some some content, and again, right content at the right at the right time is the is the key principle of that. But I think the the risk in quick apply frameworks, etc., is that we we don't get all the um, polarizing messages in front of job seekers as we otherwise might, right? Employer branding done well is polarizing to say, uh, you're the type of person that fits really well here or you're not. And to be clear about that. And so I think what, what happens without some of that content at the front end of the process is you've got to um, uh, build that into the, to the middle of the process. Uh, and so letting people um, before they come to the interview, understand your values, why you should work there, if this is the right place for you. And if not, opt out. 
um, and, and, and just make sure that we're getting the, the right people for the job. And the, the risk is that we just move the bottleneck down, <laughs> uh, down the funnel one step and make no actual improvement. Uh, the possibilities are that we can communicate well throughout and we actually make some some gains by removing some friction at the beginning. Absolutely. And I think it's that it's that kind of transparent communication that, that people want from the recruitment process. If the job's not right for them, they want to understand that and understand why. So I can only see that as being a really good thing for the candidate experience. Yeah, absolutely. Transparency is what people want. <laughs> so no, no one wants to waste time in a process that's not right for them. And so if, you know, our, our job as professionals is to help remove friction, of course, but also help people make decisions. And it doesn't do a company any good if they hire the wrong person for the job. Uh, that tends to go go poorly on all counts. And so uh, being sure that we're as clear about the expectations, the type of company to make it work for the long term uh, as quickly as possible to avoid wasted time. It feels like we're on the edge of some massive changes in, in recruiting sort of being driven by technology and the sort of the, the continued disruption around the economy people making decisions about their careers differently a whole host of things going on that are inevitably going to drive a lot of change to, to to what we do what do you think the next two or three years are going to look like for the for, for recruiting and talent acquisition <laughs> uh, a bit of a bit of cynic might say it's going to look like uh automation, uh, some, some, some overdoing of automation, probably backlash against automation, and then repeating that cycle several times until we find the right amount. <laughs> um, so, uh, but, but I do think that, that this is the, the way that people perceive and feel about technology is going to matter a lot. And um, there are going to be a lot of new technological possibilities for how we um, interact with conversational AI and with companies and how we use them and people's reaction to them is going to matter a lot about how we use them in the future. So, so I, I can imagine um, a, a substantial backlash to mass outreach, for example, of, of companies looking to screen candidates from, you know, to, on, on passive sourcing for a particular role through really good conversational AI and candidates getting really frustrated and wanting to say, you know, Talk to human. I only talk to humans, um, and so I, I think it, it's we're going to find out lots of wrong ways to do things as a as an industry, uh, and then we'll focus in, adjust, and find the right ways. So I, th- I think it's going to be a tremendously interesting time as this technology evolves. And to build on that, as a final question, so you mentioned how long technology companies have been developing large language models and how you'd already been using that in the work that you do. Are there any other game-changing technologies out there that everyone in the kind of technology industry is aware of but haven't hit us yet in talent acquisition that might change the game again? <laughs> you know, I, th- I think the, the, the key will be like the application of, of this technology for, for language models. I think this is going to be a several years journey of really refining the application layer and how this technology gets, gets used. Um, there are... are, are other interesting technologies being incubated, image generation, um, uh, uh, sort of text to video. Um, you can imagine an experience that can be built today with with a pretty lifelike um, uh, person uh, being able to interview someone that's fully automated, uh, voice cloning, uh, deep fakes. Um, so, so some of those experiences are 
you know, really, really good where they, where they, where they haven't been in, in the past. And, and the conversation with many of those technologies is, is just shifted from not can we do these things, but to should we do these things? Are they something that people want? Uh, are they experiences that feel good? I think I've continued to argue uh, just with some friends' uh, conversations over a, over a drink that um, so many times it's actually the emotional element that someone cared to take the time to talk to me uh, more so than uh, did the the video was the video smooth uh, on something. And so I, I think some of the emotional elements uh, are yet to be worked out um, and, and understanding and, and poking at those questions of what what role should technology play in a recruitment process versus you know, where exactly do we have humans? Adam, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you, Matt. Always a great, a great conversation. I appreciate it. My thanks to Adam. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com on that site, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast, and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with a purpose and a passion, whether you're 25, 85, or any age in between. Gain actionable financial and mindset tips from your favorite authors, podcasters, and influencers to help you reach that exciting next chapter. Listen now and start building your path to financial freedom and reframing what retirement can mean to you. This is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate.